Rage Runner Nation, welcome back. We're here with another Trail Talk, and today we've got an interesting interview with Jonathan Bernard, who's the owner of Ohio Valley Running Company, and he has quite the history in the running. Um, he's originally from Athens, moved out west, and came back. So we're going to get into it and hope you enjoy this one. Hi, guys. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for coming on the show today. Sure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, first, let's start off with maybe a little bit more about who you are and what you do around here in Athens. Um, so, my wife and I moved back here about three and a half years ago. Um, it wasn't really the plan. When I had left Athens 2004 and moved out to Seattle to be close to my brother who's still out there, um, I really didn't have any plans to come back to Athens and then life sort of twists and turns and we ended up back here after my last job ended and we were trying to figure out what to do next. Um, I mean, I was still pretty, I still had an opportunity in my industry that I was working in, but we wanted to slow down the pace a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, my parents are both still here. And, um, and it was, I had been back here at that point for a couple of months and, um, kind of settled into a little bit of a routine here and started thinking about doing this thing that I had been thinking about for about five or six years at that point. Um, I originally wrote the business plan for Ohio Valley for OVRC in 2011, I think, and then wasn't ready to move back. And so when I came back here and we were trying to figure out what to do next, sort of dusted off the business plan and still looked like it was viable. Um, so, that was sort of the, the birth of this place and then why we also stuck around. Exciting. It's always funny to see how stuff from years ago you may have written or put into the side have, can come back later. And, and it was really weird how the whole thing happened. Because um, I kind of told myself, I, you know, I'd done retail on and off and service industry on and off for a long time. And I told myself I was never getting back into retail. Mm -hmm. And now I own a retail store, <laughs> which is granted a lot better than being at a corp at corporate retail or something, but um, it's funny. It sucks you back in. Yeah. As does Athens. I mean, Athens is a, that's yeah, it's really good for that. But... I mean, there's so many people I know from growing up here that left and came back or when I see them, when they're back, they wish they could come back. You know? um, so it's, it's Ariana always says if we were from, you know, some other town in, a, in Ohio, she never would have agreed to it, but she does love, you know, it's a pretty special place. Yeah. Maybe we can segue into the Athens running community, actually. I mean, I think they're pretty good down here. We've and, and you've been a part of that. And so is Michael with all the other races that he's done, kind of build a stronger running and running community in this area. Because um, we do have lovely trails. Like, mm -hmm. there are so many options around here to go run in 30 minutes or less. So it's it's. I mean, we're so lucky. It's we're so lucky. It's pretty spectacular. I, I got into trail running out in Seattle when I moved out there. Um, I had not been a runner before I moved out there, and my road running transitioned to trails. And when you go to when you do trails, there's tons of trails in that area, obviously, and they're fantastic and they're beautiful. But you have to drive to get there. It's pretty pretty destination. Um, even like the Issaquah Alps, you know, you still have to drive 30, 45 minutes um, to get out there. So the fact that we have, you know basically a hundred miles of trail, maybe more within 30 minutes. 
um, and you know, 35 miles, probably maybe a little bit more at Stroud's if you do some mountain backs. Um, that was literally in my backyard when I first moved back. I mean, I had a trail from my backyard to the trails and you know, it's just, you don't get that in too many places, especially that much single track that's out right. there. It's very like narrow and ups and downs. And it's not like this huge carved out path that you get in a lot of other recreation areas. Right. Yeah. When I live in California, it's all, you know, super buffed and it's all fire, a lot of fire, yeah, road lot of fire there, roads. So. Um, and so when I came back, actually, when in 2011, when I started writing the business plan, I talked to a lot of people in the running community here, and it was very road centric. I didn't find a lot of trail runners, and maybe it was just because of who I asked. And then when I came back uh, this last time, um, 2016, and we settled down here, it's when I, you know, kind of randomly met Michael and some other folks, and he and I really think alike about trail running in the trail community. Um, and he had started Iron Furnace at that point. We started like, I said, oh man, I've always thought that, you know, a 50K around Strauss would be good. And he's like, I've already got the route planned. Um, and, you know, sort of like the, the marriage of SEOTR and the races and OVRC kind of being the hub of running just sort of went hand in hand. And we see this development of um, not just road running, but you know, the segment of trail running, which is super important to me because that's sort of once I got off of roads, I've done a ton of road stuff and road marathons, but once I kind of transitioned to trail, that's really where my passion lies and really what um, has fueled me as a runner over the course of the last probably 12 years. Um, and just from a retail perspective, you know, there's a lot of stores who may carry one or two trail shoes unless they're really segmented as a trail or ultra store there are a few of those around um and they'll do maybe one to three percent of trail uh, of their overall purchases in footwear and we're sort of hovering in the 15 percent range which is significantly higher than a store of our size and sales That's so good. that that really i mean shows what how the community has rallied around trail running yeah. here. And we even, what Athens is now producing some of the young up and coming ultra runners who seem to be doing pretty well. And It's so cool. I mean, you know, like the people we know, some of the people that, that work for me, um, Isaac and Jimmy and Wesley and Alex and like this whole group, that was not my co collegiate experience. Like, like it's so baffling to me that like, these kids are, you know, 20, 20, I wish it was, I wish it, that was my collegiate experience, but you know, I wasn't a runner back then. I played collegiate soccer and collegiate hockey, but I was not going out and thinking I should go spend my Saturday running, running. Four or five hours yeah, in the woods. Right, exactly. My Saturdays were generally spent three hours laying flat on a couch trying to cover. But yeah, it's just, it's really cool to see in this area, and especially, I mean, I've been here 10 years and watching the kind of evolution over the past 10 years has been pretty cool. So let's let's take a jump back over to, you said you started running after you moved out west, right? Mm -hmm. So you were in Seattle at this point mm -hmm. and you started, what drove you to start running? So the deeper answer to that question actually starts here. Um, so in my 20s, my life kind of took a turn um, and I was, 
I had always done sports growing up. You know, I was a team sport guy. I played hockey and I played baseball and I kind of did the things you do as a kid. And then um, I went overseas. I, I lived in Nairobi, Kenya for my high school years and I played rugby and field hockey and soccer over there. And I transitioned that to college and I played ice hockey and, and soccer in college. And then when I sort of got out of that collegiate atmosphere, I discovered um, that alcohol was a lot more fun than, than um, fitness. And I sort of went down this track and I latch on to things. I'm, I don't, I'm not a half measures kind of guy. So um, I don't know sort of what that in between medium place looks like. Um, and so alcohol became really important to me and drugs became really important to me. And that's sort of what I did through my twenties and um, don't do that kids. I don't recommend it. <laughs> it, it really took over my life in, in, a, in, and it became worse and worse and, and in much more negative ways as, as that progressed into like a full blown um, addiction and, and alcoholism. And I finally like, tried to turn the corner there. It took me a few years, a few times through um, sort of a drip dry rehab. And um, when I came out of that and I did end up sort of gra grasping on the sobriety and, and I was still smoking. I was, I was about a pack a day smoker and this is 2002 and that, that I had gone through so much trouble trying to get sober that I wasn't I, like, I, I couldn't do anything else to try to stay sober. So I kept smoking. And when I moved to Seattle in 2004, it was just before I was two years sober. And my goal when I moved to Seattle was to quit smoking and try to, my, my parents were runners. My brother is like, he's kind of a recreational runner. Um, so I've been around running my whole life. And I always had this sort of idea. Like I would talk a lot about it in the bars that someday I'm going to run the Athens marathon. And then I, of course, could never do that because like, I just didn't have that ability to sort of function outside of, um, there was no physical functionality mm -hmm. in my life. <clears throat> so when I went to Seattle, I did ultimately quit smoking. Um, and so that was in 2004, so late summer of 2004, I think August or something, I, I took cold turkey, quit smoking. And then, and then I found this small group of runners in recovery who were sort of dabbling in half marathons and stuff. And I had, I had run one marathon in 2001, but I kind of don't count that one, even though it was my first marathon. Um, I ran Columbus and wasn't, I mean, I did totally, I did like a 347 for my first marathon. I didn't know anything about running. Good. Yeah, and I celebrated by starting to drink and smoke again because I was like, I'm sure I can control it now that I've run a marathon. So when I went out there, I sort of started fresh and I, I ran a half marathon in 2004, 2005, I ran what I consider my first marathon of this running block of my mm -hmm. life. Um, and that year I ran five marathons. So it's like I said, it's, there's no like middle switch, like the switch was turned on and they plugged that running into my life and it became sort of such an important part. I met these people who were sober and they were running. And then I met some other people through running. Um, and I really loved the, I, I loved the atmosphere of, of marathon running. And I did that for a number of years and sort of ran somewhere in the neighborhood of, I don't know, never remember if it's like 40 or 45 marathons or in that three year period, I was running 12 to 14 marathons. I plugged in a 50K in 2000, 
seven and that was my first experience with trails um and ultra and my yeah i'd run a 50k on a gravel road before that um but it was felt more like a longer marathon um and i i, I ran a 50k but i didn't consider myself an ultra runner it was just like another thing i did mm-hmm. and i you know i ran a I think that was my my only sub four fifty k. I was like really fit for roads, but the trails were complete. Like I didn't know anything about trails, and so I went down to Portland. I ran um, uh, race down there on trail with some friends. Got lost. Like had a blast. Hurt. Couldn't do anything. And then decided everyone was running um, White River fifty miler that year. I never run and wrote in trail shoes before. Mm-hmm. Didn't know anything about elevation, like running. I knew that it had a lot of vert, but I didn't know what that meant. Like 11,000 feet didn't mean anything to me. Right. Um, and so that's when I ran my first, like, serious, like, longer than a 50K race. Um, these long distance, the 50K and the 50 milers, was that, like, something you knew about when you were running marathons? or how did, No, how did they not at get, all. How did you get opened up to that world? Was it through your community of runners that you had made friends with in Seattle? Or was it another group or something like that? So I had gone to Southern Africa kind of before I did this. Mm -hmm. And I went over there because I spent a lot of time in Africa as as a kid. And my degree, I actually have a geography degree in um, African environmental conservation. And so I went over there to try to like find myself. <laughs> and so I spent three months in South Africa and a month in Botswana. And I didn't have a lot to like in the South, South Africa time, like I realized relatively quickly that being an outsider, being an American, going to South Africa and trying to get a job, I was sort of one degree short of employable. If I had a PhD, maybe I could have made it work. But um, it was at a time when they were trying, they were hiring internally, which is great. Like, you know, it shouldn't be like these outsiders coming in and taking jobs away from South Africans, even though I thought that I, I, that's what I wanted to do and that's what I'd studied to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had this extra month and I went to Botswana and um, I sort of found this house sitting gig up there and I thought I'll just stay in Africa for another month and went up there and I didn't have anything to do except house sit and run. So I just started running a lot and I met some people and like South Africans are not still, you know, with comrades and two oceans and all this stuff. Um, I wanted to see how far I could push myself on the roads. Then I came back. And so that was kind of my first introduction to running longer, but that was all like road running. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started hanging around Seattle Running Company, which is now turned into a fleet feed in Seattle. Um, and Seattle Running Company at the time was the kind of the penultimate trail ultra hub of the Northwest, if not the country. I mean, that's sort of like jerk worked there, Hal Kerner worked there, Chrissy Mayo worked there, like all of these sort of legend of that era all sort of worked um, at Seattle Running Company. And and so I started hanging out there and was hearing about these people who were running longer than I could conceptualize. Mm-hmm. And it made no sense to me. Like I had no, like I didn't think that I had any desire to do it until somebody said, you should do it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I think some most people's reactions are they're like, 100 miles, that's nuts. Yeah. And then they're like, no, you should do it. And then people are like, hmm. <laughs> it's it's it. funny how your mind, how quickly, maybe it's not quickly, but 
And now I think it's different because of the hundred mile distance, the ultra distance, even though it's still pretty niche, it's much bigger than it was mm -hmm. in say 2007, 2008, which was much bigger than it was when Jurek and those guys were doing it. Like, even though I've been doing this for 12 years or 14 years, I still came in sort of mid road to, mm -hmm. to and now it's exploded. Yeah, because I think back then I remember Jurek saying something like, when you went to Western States, you just registered for Western States. There was no lottery, there was no. Yeah. This was just very easy. You went online and you clicked in and you're good to go. So things have changed. It has exploded a lot over the years. Yeah, when I ran Boston, I think I registered a month beforehand. You know, even marathoning has completely changed. So, yeah, I mean, now you pretty much have to plan out your race schedule for a year in advance, at least, which I'm not good at. <laughs> it's <laughs> like the random um, do what's best and wing it kind yeah, of. Yeah, I like to show up and I like the sandbag. Show up day of register win. Right. No, not win. <laughs> I've won one fifty k in my life, and it was only because nobody else showed up. <laughs> so you found this the long distance stuff. Yep. And then you moved into finally getting into the trail. Yep. So how did that progress from there? Was the hundred mile like immediately on the schedule, or did you dabble in the fifties first, and then we're like, okay, let's go for it? So the first year I ran a fifty k and a fifty miler, and. By this time, I'd met um, I'd met Chrissy and I'd met Devin Yanko, who's one of my best friends, and so we were all sort of running together a lot and training and training together, and we'd go out and do trail runs. And I, um, Devin had gotten into Western for two thousand and seven, I think, or eight, and it was a year that I got there was a fire and they had to close the race. Hmm. And so sort of at the last minute, I was going to go and pace her. At the last minute, she decided to run Vermont 100 instead. And my brother at the time was living in Vermont, so we flew out together. And um, and that was my first experience being at a 100-mile race. And I think once you experience that, if you already have, and I pace her like the last 40 miles or 35 miles or something. And so I get to be a part of it as well. And she won, which is always also makes it extra fun. Um, and I think once you like, immerse yourself in that, you've already been running a certain some distances, then it becomes more tangible, more realistic. You say, okay, so I'm, I, I watched the start of this race and 175 people are doing this thing. And then I ran 40 miles of it. I could probably, I get, it just, it, there's something that's so amazing about it and so different about it that I just wanted to be a part of it. And so the next year I registered, I ended up getting into Cascade sort of at the last minute because I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. And then Charlie, who was a race director at that time, probably called me, I don't know if we were texting yet, called me and said, I have a spot open if you want it. And it was Wednesday and the race was on Saturday. I'm like, oh, sure, I'll do it. Not for, forgetting that I, had, I was scheduled to work that Saturday at the job I had. <laughs> So then I had to like finagle a few things and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I showed up and uh, didn't have a pacer, didn't have crew, didn't really know what to throw in my drop bag. Kind of like everyone's probably everyone's first experience. Like I, I'm not big on, to my own detriment sometimes, I'm not big on reading race reports or like mm -hmm. digging into stuff. I just kind of, I'm really good at winging shit. So like, I, just I showed up and 
like I just kept going and it wasn't super fast. And I, I finished my first hundred miler and was sort of like locked in for like the next eight years on, on and off doing hundreds. Some good recovery time on that first hundred. Just yeah. you probably hurt a lot the next day. It I imagine. Did. Yeah. I was pretty swollen. <laughs> I had to go back to where I worked retail at the time and you know, you're just on your feet all day. Hobbling around at work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would have been good to watch. <laughs> I can't remember I was more sore for my first hundred of my, like that, when I ran that first 50, like everything was terrible. The first 50? Yeah. Like just because everything locked up, like I had no, oh. I had no, I had no business running a 50 miler with 11,000 feet of climbing and descent. And I was like basically walking downhill backwards and uphill backwards <laughs> for the last eight miles. I remember getting like, I fell asleep that night and I woke up starving as you do. And I tried to get out of bed and I just, my legs wouldn't work. And so I like army crawled over to the fridge to eat <laughs> and just like laid there in the fridge eating food, which is the one thing I miss so much about ultra running currently as I recover. Yeah. So let's jump into that maybe. And we could talk about like, so you've had that injury and you had some surgery done. Um, maybe talk about what happened and, and how that affects you right now since you, like I said, you can't run at the moment. So what happened was I was gifted with, um, early onset osteoarthritis and it's genetic based, mm -hmm. you know, comes down. My grandmother had two hip replacements. My mom's had a hip replacement I just got the, my brother seemed to get the Latvian bad knees and I got the Italian bad hips. <laughs> I think that's how that seemed to work out. Um, you know, and I, I've done, like I've had, talked to a lot of people. I've talked to my doctor and, you know, is it because of running? And generally most doctors, most longitudinal studies say it's not like running, ultra running is not the cause of it. So you have a perfect system. And when something is introduced, and it could have been an old rugby in injury that happened, it could have been like a hockey injury. It could have been. I remember this hip just getting bad over the course of the last seven years, really. Mm -hmm. You know, I was working out one day and doing some kettlebell swings and I felt it pop. And um, ever since then, I think it's been diminishing. Um, and by the end of it, you know, I was about 65% bone on bone. My, my femur was just grinding against my acetabulum. Um, so every step, I had very little movement internally, internal or external rotation. Um, I still somehow like, because I'm either stubborn or stupid or combination of both, I was still running 60, 70 miles a week, like Quasimodo dragging my bad leg behind me. But you know, it's become so ingrained as to what you do mm -hmm. as a part of your day. Like I, I knew that, and I was running with, you know, Robert, who's a PT, and he said, we're well, not gonna make it any worse. So if you can deal with the pain, then you can run on it. And so I finally made the decision. I went back to see this doctor, um, Dr. Sergio, um, and he's like, yeah, it's time. And that was January, and I finally made my appointment in uh, November. Granted, I had a bunch of stuff, including getting married in that space. So, so November 1st, I went in and, um, as I think anyone would be, you, you're really freaked out about the fact that, you know, you have to take this extended period of time off. My doctor is very conservative and it's 12 months from the day he cuts you before you can run again. There are other doctors who are newer than he is. They're saying six months, 
they do it maybe they go in a different um, different way. But um, Dr. Brooks is he's amazing at what he does, and um, I always I I thought before I had the surgery I was like I'll go with a six month route even though Brooks is saying twelve, but I'll. I'll even though the other doctors aren't doing it, I'll go with their recovery plan because that sounds better to me, six mm -hmm. months. Um, but I just don't feel ready. And I, I really want to, I, I want this thing to last. The, the good thing about the surgery that I've had, which is this hip resurfacing, is that I will be able to continue my life as a runner, even as an ultra runner, once I get through the recovery time. If I had waited and had gone and had to get a full um, replacement, once that happens, once they cut off your bone, because in a replacement, they cut your femur and they put a replacement ball on there. With mine, they left my femur intact and just put a, a metal cap on top of my femur that's um, got a little pin in it. And then they shave out your acetabulum and put a metal receptor there. So I have a new joint. And, it's all, and once it recovers, it's as strong as the bone was. So you can run on it. Andy Jones Wilkins has had both of his done. and He's an old school ultra runner. Um, and he ran Leadville and he's got a six month guy. He ran, no, he ran hard rock 10 months after he had his surgery. I don't plan to do that. <laughs> like I have no, no, like right now I have no desire to, I want to run when I'm 85 years old. Like I want to, if I yeah. live that long, I still want to be out there shuffling around the, the so trails. What now? Six months almost into this? Six months. Exactly. Yep. Um, six and a half, really. And so today, we're filming this on Friday night. Um, my surgery is scheduled for this coming Wednesday. So I'll drive to Cleveland. It's done at the Cleveland Clinic. I'll drive to Cleveland on Tuesday and wait for them to call and tell me what time to go in. The surgery's quick. Like, Ariana barely had time for this first one. She barely had time to go get lunch before they... We're done. We're done. I think surgery itself is an hour, less than an hour. You but know, um, six more months of recovery. Well, now it's twelve more months. Twelve more months from. Yeah. So my so my right one was really really impacted, and so I needed to get that one. There's no doubt about it. I needed to get that one done. Mm -hmm. The left, my left, is not nearly as bad. But like sitting here like this with my my leg, like I can feel it, but not nearly as bad. It's already starting to. The labrum's gone. So I'm feeling a little bit of bone on bone. It catches a lot. So um, I could wait. And most people who aren't athletes might wait mm -hmm. um, because they wouldn't care about the 12 month recovery time. For them, it was just like, well, it's not that bad. I might as well just like, keep going. And then when it gets bad, I'll get it done. But I think with an athlete, and even though it's been diagnosed and needs to be done, and I got severe osteoarthritis and there's been diagnosed. And, um, for me, I want to, I want to economize the time off. Mm -hmm. So if I get the other one done now, six months in, then I only have 18 months off instead of 24 months. And I know me, I know myself. If I wait till November and start running again, I will, and start doing CrossFit again. The things I really love to do that I miss, I will wait until I'm in a wheelchair to have my other side done. So now that I'm sort of in this mindset of recovery and I'm like pretty cool with it, I'm doing okay. I might as well have the other one done now while I'm still sort of like so okay how, with it. How's that been for you in terms of like with running being a huge part of kind of who you define yourself as, um, not being able to run and how's that maybe impacted like your, your mental ability? Are you able to like 
push through sometimes? Are you changing the running out with a different type of exercise or? You know, I was really worried about, I was really worried about going into it. Um, not only is running important to me in my life, but it's kind of such a fabric of kind of a deeper part of my life, you know? So I started running two years after I got sober and running has always been a big part of that for me. You know, I think the tra I find serenity on the trails. I find spirituality on the trails. And so the fact that I, that, that really scared me, you know? And, um, and so I had to do a lot of sort of internal work on that and um, think through and come to peace with it sort of before mm -hmm. I went into it. Shockingly, six months in, now I might talk to me in 12 months, I might feel differently. Um, but it's been, it's been really good. There are days, sure, like <laughs> not being able to run and owning the running store and having like all the runs start at the store where I always am mm -hmm. is hard. I'm like, the, I'm like the boy in the bubble, you know, watching his friends go off to play or the puppy dog who's trapped inside watching the pack of dogs go by and wanting to be outside. Um, I think it was, it got hard occasionally during the winter when I felt sort of claustrophobically stuck inside. But, you know, the other, my like functional fitness or more dynamic type of workouts and running, those are my two things I like to do, neither of which I can do. So um, Ian Klein was super kind and let, has let me borrow an elliptigo. Um, and so, that is like, I'm allowed to do, I'm allowed to do a lot of stuff. I'm allowed to swim. I'm allowed to do elliptical at the gym. I'm allowed to ride a bike. Um, so I'll probably, probably dabble in biking later this summer and see how I like that. But the elliptical has been, it's actually super, super fun. I keep pointing over there because it's off camera. Um, I always thought they were funny when I was running here and I'd see them go by because, mm -hmm. you know, there's a pretty good cadre of them around here because Ian studied on them. Um, and now I've just become that guy who's always on the elliptigo. So my plan is to do, you know, I want to see, I'll probably do a longer elliptigo ride this weekend before my surgery. And then, and then the, you know, the clock starts again and I can't promise you that I'll feel this good mentally or psychologically, um, after this one and, you know, sort of start the clock over and got to go through the six weeks on crutches where you can't really do much. And it's a lot of push-ups, which I'm not technically supposed to be doing, but I talked to Sergio and he said, it's fine. So I do some, some sort of movement. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's what it is. Like I'm not really good at sitting still. Like I'm not good at resting, which is what made me, which what made me so good at my jobs I've had over the past mm. number of years before I opened this. Cause I work in, 70, 80, 90 hours a week and on planes all the time and, you know, flying back and forth between cities. Like I'm, I'm really good at having that kind of, that kind of stress in my life. I'm not really good at not having that kind of stress in my life. So, um, drives my wife crazy. I think she's really good. She, I think she was a lot more worried about how this would affect me and, you know, would it affect our, our relationship and our marriage? And we, you know, we're, effectively newlyweds, even though we've been together for six years. Um, but ultimately it, you know, when you're not running 80 miles a week and not spending all of that time training and running, 
you have a lot more time to spend with your significant other and your dog. And so that's, that's actually been a pretty wonderful side benefit to this is that, you know, we're, we're actually spending some really quality time together, which is fantastic. Dear. Yeah. And you have more time to you know. work in your running store. Yeah. And things like yeah. that. Cool. So, um, after 12 months from Wednesday, um, so May 23rd, 2020, we're having a group run. We'll have a group run. We'll, get some, we'll get some cameras. All the Ridge Runner members are welcome to come down. It's not going to be much of a run. It'll be like 30 seconds off and five minutes of walking. That's all right. It's still a run. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your, what is your plan after that to build up? Are you, are you wanting to go as far as you think you can go um, without hurting yourself again? Or not hurting yourself again, it wasn't your fault, but without getting hurt or injured, but to go back to the 100 distance or will you just cap it where you need to cap it? That's a really, really good question and something that I think about a lot, but I'm not sure I have the answer for. Yes, my, I, I have unfinished business that I feel that's completely internal. So I've run Cascade Crest four times. I'd love to get my silver buckle, which you get it five times. Mm -hmm. And I love that race. I'd love to go back and do that race. Um, last time I ran, it was 2014 or 15. I had a pretty good race. Um, and there's something really special about that race to me because I lived out there and I know tons of the people who run it and all the people at the aid stations. And I'd love to go back and sort of, my plan internally is that would be my first hundred back if I feel good enough to do that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, for me running, my running longevity is more important than checking boxes off mm -hmm. on something. I really feel like I've had a, an amazing running career already. Like if I couldn't ever run another ultra distance or hundred miler, I think I'd be sad, but I'd be okay with it. Like I've done seven, started nine. Like that's, that's, oh, that's pretty good. Done 35 ultra distance races. Um, I think I, you know, I'd like to go back to, I don't know why I suddenly have this craving, but I'd like probably like to go back and do Boston again. Like I'd like to see whether or not my marathon times still the same or yeah, I don't think they'll ever be where they were. I don't think I can ever run sub three again, but, um, I don't need to run. I'm older now. I'm going to have to run finish. sub three anymore. No, you just need to finish. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd love to, I love the Thunder Bunny course. I'd love to be able to go out and run that course again. Not, not at the race, obviously, but I've done, I'd done that a couple of times, a few days after the race, go and run it solo. Mm. Um, like I never had a chance to run Iron Furnace. I just, like the last couple of years when I was still running, I was, I was super fit, but I didn't want to, like, it was a mental block. Like I didn't think my hip could take a longer distance. Like there, I wanted to try to do a 50 and a hundred, but I just didn't think that I didn't want to pay all the money and take the time away from the store and, and not be able to finish it. Mm -hmm. um, now I look back and I'm like, damn it, you should have done that. Like, while you still had the. Hopefully you still get the chance to do yeah. that. Yeah, we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think 
everything that I have read and what my doctor has said and um, other people have been through the surgery, there should be no issue. But there's very there's a very limited delta on. There's not a lot of ultra runners. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's like <laughs> one. That's so AJW. You're a good case study then for yeah. future. Right. right. Like, this is what happens when you recover for 12 months, like you're right. supposed to. And then build it back up really, really slowly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm hoping to do that intelligently and have somebody, have somebody write out a plan for me. Like I, I don't think I'll just like, oh, it's 12 months. Anybody want to run 20 miles this weekend? Like, I don't think that'll happen, but in my head, that conversation happens. But in reality, I know that's not going to happen. It'll be those 30 seconds on and off that you were talking about. Right, exactly. Because even now, like, you know, if I chase my dog around or when Fern's in here, we always play this little chase game. I can feel how weak it is just doing, not even a run, but just sort of like speed, walking, shuffling. Like, I can feel like I'm not ready. Um, even though like I can get on elliptical and work pretty hard and get a pretty good workout, I'm not ready to, for any kind of repetitive force. And that's, that's what, you know, if, once you're the thing that could potentially happen, it happens very rarely, but the thing that could potentially happen is your femur could chatter or becomes dislocated. And once that happens, then they have to cut your bone and you gotta, then your running career is over from that point. There are people who do it, like you can run on it, but you have to get it replaced every five years, basically, because he wears out. So. Crazy. Yeah. Hey, at least with the elliptical, you get to go a lot further. It's like, amazing how quickly you can do a marathon distance or you can um, do like 31 miles. Yeah, I've been on the bike path and just blow past me and I'm like, okay, bye. Yeah, we can do a 50K in two hours on that thing. Nelsonville will come back. Right. So yeah, so I'm gonna to try to, I'll see if I can do 50 miles on it before Wednesday, if the weather cooperates. 50 miles or 50K? 50 miles. 50 miles. I've done 50K on it. Weather, weather's supposed to be cloudy in 84. Perfect. It should be perfect weather for that, get started in the morning. Maybe I can do the, um, I'll just do it in circles around the store like I did that run. <laughs> see if I can survive this time. <laughs> pretty rough. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty rough day, but. Um, let's maybe transition over to um, maybe talk a bit more about the store. You said you, you did have that business plan though for like five years before you even built it, but. I was trying to hand that business plan off to people. Um, and you know, I've talked, probably some of the people who watch, who watch this have heard me say this. Like I would come back here from Seattle and I just get angry. There was no running store. There was like, at the time, there was three bike stores, but there was no running store. Mm. And I'd worked a little bit in the running industry. So I'd come back here and I'm like, this, should, this is like the perfect spot for a running store. Until you start thinking about, you know, kind of the economy and Athens is pretty much a bubble in Southeastern Ohio. And so I, the timing wasn't right. But there was all these people who kept saying, wow, we need a running store. I'm like, here's a business plan. Good luck. <laughs> And nobody would do it. No one would want to take the risk because it's expensive to open a store. And we we self-funded it. Like we didn't get loans or anything. We we built it ourselves and funded it ourselves. Um, and I think the timing was just right. Like we talked about what was going on with Team Run Athens and Michael's races and this community had been built up. Mm -hmm. um, 
already. So it was sort of natural. It became a much more seamless transition to open a running store because it was already sort of this base of people. Um, you know, and then sort of slowly building word of mouth with high school kids and the community. We haven't done, we've, we've done no print advertising at all. Um, and it's not where people don't, even in Athens, people don't look at it anymore. Um, so what would, what would be maybe your goals for the future of the store? Um, I know you talked about some expansion stuff before, but, um, so I think in the three years we've had, a, it gives us quite a bit of time to sort of see, like throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks, mm -hmm. you know? So you order a bunch of shoes and see which ones work, see which ones don't work. We try, you know, I couldn't wait to get in Patagonia and North Face and see what works and what doesn't work. And, um, my problem is I'm, an, I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur and I've always done that for the last eight or 10 years. I've, what I've done is expansion work and opening business and, um, expanding businesses and stuff. So my mind is always sort of like on to the next thing. And so that's where that, like, I did want to put a loft in, like the wine buyer has a loft and Louis Louis has a loft and they just didn't build this space with a loft because it used to be split down the middle. And so I got plans drawn up and thinking that I would do more outdoor gear and hiking and stuff up there. Mm -hmm. But we're not seeing the turnover of that business enough to justify. I mean, it would be great to have more floor space because um, things can get a little jammed in, in here, but it didn't make sense to, there would be, there's not enough return on that investment. So, I mean, the plan really is to become a little bit more continue to become more sustainable and grow the business, you know, year over, you know, one to two, of course you see this big growth because it's just year one when you're slow, year two when you start gaining more traction. Um, year two to three is a better indicator. And so we, we're, we're, now we're seeing sort of a, a nice uptick March, April, and this month. And so we just want to continue to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and now, I mean, we really are the only you know, I don't, I don't like it when other businesses in Athens close because you can be seen as an indicator of what the economy is like around here. But when Perfeet, the other shoe store closed in the mall, I think we're starting to see some of that business drift over, which is, which is helpful for us, of course. And so we're seeing, you know, it's, they had a different business model, but <clears throat> we can adjust pretty quickly because we carry some of the same brands. Um, I think the, the thing that we really want to, like the next investment we want to do is to, we're going to buy a, a trailer, pull behind trailer. And so we have a mobile unit mm -hmm. and brand it. And we really want to get more involved um, and partner with, if coaches will let us partner with local track teams and cross country teams and maybe go and be a visible presence at some of their meets, um, you know, and have, because we do so much business, like we can then go to them. So instead of people driving all the way from Ironton or from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, like we're getting people from much further afield than I thought we would. Mm -hmm. um, then we can actually take the shoes to them and do fittings and, you know, work with, like I think there's a way to probably work with facilities at Ohio University and sort of do some of those work fit things where you go in and fit a bunch of people. And, um, 
and then you know providers and do more doctor visits and stuff like that. I think there's we we haven't even scratched the surface. Like we barely see university kids and um, the ones who run, you know, come here. But um, so I think that's kind of where we see our future. Um, it's scary. I mean, you know, most financial planners would never tell you to take your entire retirement and put it into a niche retail store in the poorest county in Ohio. And that's what we did. <laughs> so there are days when, you know, Ariana's was like, what the fuck did we do? Because, you know, you don't, you're not always riding, riding the crest, like November, December, January, or really slow months. And then we go to events with very, um, you know, other running stores that are big. And, mm. and then they tell us stories about, you know, they might have five running stores in their company. And then they talk to like bigger companies and everyone says the same thing. There are always cash flow problems, no matter how big or sm how small you are. And it just kind of like, okay, we're fine, you know? And you sort of like, you have to learn to budget and learn to limp through those times. Um, because there are times where it's like, this isn't gonna work, like, we're done, you know? And then, you know, something happens or get a little line of credit and get over that and start regenerating. And so I think now we're sort of seeing what now at three years, we really have a, a good grasp, although it's always, you're always learning, pretty good grasp of what sells and what doesn't sell. Mm. And so we'll transition some of that stuff that doesn't sell out and really focus on what does sell. We do really, really, like, I love doing different designs. Like I do, done all the design work, except for, you know, one of um, Tim's, the, the new circle design. But I love like changing things up and looking for, cool apparel that we can get, um, brand new stuff. And that does really well for us. So we're just trying to keep things fresh. Yeah. seems, seems to be pretty good. And I know I enjoy coming down here and getting shoes, clothes, goose, whatever, whatever exists, typically have it. Um, yeah, we try have at least something in that area. Right. Um, and now I think what big old table over there fully, Yeti equipment. Yeah, Yeti's in the newest brand. Um, I don't know what got in my, I, I got some bug in me that I wanted to have Yeti last year. And so they only open, in, in our area, they only open two accounts every year. And so I contacted um, our, I contacted the rep blindly and they couldn't open us last year. And so we became one of the two that they're gonna open this year. Nice. Um, and who knows, I mean, Again, it's one of those things, it's like they've got such a great reputation and there's no, Dick's might have them and Dunham's might have them, but there's no local dealer around here. And so we'll see, we'll give it a shot and keep them around. And if it doesn't work, then we won't reorder, try something different. But we're pretty excited about it. Yeah. I'll say I ordered myself one. <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of. Yeah. Um. I think another question that would be interesting to pose would be since since you've been in the running community a long time, um, kind of talking about we did we talked about it a little bit earlier with the with the expansion and growth and just the much more media and mass people behind uh, these running events from marathon to hundred miles mm -hmm. like it's it's not uncommon anymore to find somebody who's run a hundred 
Um, whereas I think 10 years ago, like you said, probably would have been one person like out of your entire friend group, you may have known that done something crazy like that, but it's much more common nowadays. And I kind of, I'm interested to see where it's going to go in the future and that kind of expansion. Yeah, me too. I mean, there's people doing some really nutty stuff out there. I mean, you know, 200 and my buddy Gavin was the third to last person standing at um, the big backyard. And he ran 256 miles or 265 miles and didn't win. No, it's nuts. Um, even as an ultra runner, that's incomprehensible to me. You yeah, know? that's almost three days and yeah. they're getting close to it. Right. Um, yeah, and 200 milers, like, maybe 200 miles a new 100 miler. I'll never do a 200. I have no desire. I think there's a difference between, like, and, and granted, Courtney's, like, blowing it up in 200 mile distance and she's throwing down some pretty incredible times but you know there's there's a difference between a 200 mile of the course of four days and a 100 miler course of 24 or 36 hours i don't know it's really interesting to me i think there are people who are more extreme mm -hmm. i'm pretty moderate actually maybe um, in a non ultra runner's mind, I seem extreme, but you know, I have friends who are running six, eight, nine hundred milers a year. And doing adventure runs too, those exist. People mm -hmm. do those multi day or, like you said, 24 hour, 48 hour events, last man standing stuff now growing out there. There's just a, I mean, there's always going to be that one up everything challenge. So yeah, always go on. But I also don't think that's, I mean, that's the few, maybe that's the, the niche future of ultra running. I know this is trail talk, but I really think that the bulk of people, and I think one of the things we, I, we strive really hard to do here is like, I'm actually more excited by people who are coming in and running their first five. I don't say more excited, but like, that's what really, that's the kick. Like people who are just taking up running. And they find like they that, that light goes off and they run their first 5k or they start running and they run walk for a while and um and kind of you know 5ks are sort of falling off but now there's color runs and obstacle runs and OCR is really like I, I don't know if I would ever do it but I think it's it's a pretty cool little niche like a guy came in today and he's he's off down to Virginia to do a two-day one um, and that's his, like, that's his thing. He's all about it. He, you know, um, like he's all in just like, you know, I'm all in with, I was all in with, with ultra running, but I think that the, the, what we're finding, what I think is really amazing around here is the trail community that's developing and what, whether it's people going out and running, you know, two miles on a trail, mm -hmm. um, or just doing Thunder Bunny, the three and a half mile loop, or going out and, you know, doing the Thunder Bunny 50K. And now that we're four years in, um, and Michael's really built that race from this kind of like this germination idea that he and I had, um, he, and he's so good at 
kind of the directing and building part of it. You know, we went from 250 to 325 to 400 cap this year. And then watching those people who started, like, I'll never run, like, I've never run on trails before. I'm like, sign up for the 12K. And so they did. And they loved it. And they even loved it in that first year's weather, which was just really muddy, horrific, right? Oh, it was people. I remember being thirty-nine first, degrees and raining, and and it had been raining for three weeks straight. I had, I had been at that first aid station, so I got to see everyone coming straight out of the mud oh. of Thunder Bunny. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, people were just covered in mud. Yep, yep. And then they come back the next year, and and a lot of them pushed to the twenty-five k, and maybe that's enough for them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's enough. That's that's a great. I mean, eighteen and a half miles is. 18 miles is it's a long way on trail um and then the, some of those people you know we saw run and finish their first 50k this year and that's i mean that's the beauty of it you know and we just want to be a like ovrc just want like as a brand as a store we just want to be a part of that that growth you know and um i think that the people we have that work for us, we, we had such, we've been so unbelievably lucky with our staff. Um, and, you know, I hesitate to even call them staff. They're just our family at this point. And we see them grow as runners or change as runners. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're so incredibly passionate about running as well. And so, and it doesn't matter what kind of runner you are or, jogger you know some people are even afraid to use the term runner um and that that rubs off right that rubs off on people who come in to maybe they're just walking and that's like we just want people to be to find whatever it is they're doing you know but of course i love it when they get on trails yeah trails are they have a special place it, yeah i mean it's hard to I, I know some people who are like, I hate trails. I'll never go back on trails. I just like to road run. I was like, I get that. I've been, I've been that person too. But there's, there's something so deeply ingrained for me as a runner that I can go out and run eight miles on the trail, but I feel significantly different and probably more at ease and in tune with myself than I can do. We'll go out and run eight miles on the trail. I do miss the trails on the West Coast. At times, yeah. but we're super lucky. We get different types of trails here. We do. Plus, you get that whole experience of running through water and the humidity in the summertime. Is, <sighs> I miss. Like I never realized <laughs> how much I. My brother thinks like, I'm nuts. He's like, "You're you're having crazy. Like, why do you want to move back to that humidity?" And I moved back, and I didn't realize how much I missed it. And most people who know me as a runner, know that I like how weather running. I prefer, I love it when it's 85 degrees. And like today, I wish I could run. Yeah, and I love to go. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was gonna storm all day, so I, I worked out this morning and I did a hard workout on the elliptical and I didn't want to, I don't want to, I never want to push it. Yeah. So. Um, so let's, I think uh, we can wrap it up here. I have two final questions that I, Michael's borrowed from another podcast, and I still don't even figure out which podcast this is from because I need to actually give him some credit. <laughs> but uh, the first question is, 
if you could run with anyone, like anyone you ever you ever wanted to, dead or alive, anywhere in the country or, or ever, anywhere, wherever you want, um, you know, assuming that you could keep up with them or they could keep up with you, who would it be and where would you run? Makes you think, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I've run with some really amazing people. <laughs> so I'm trying to think. Um, it's funny. I bet a lot of the track guys are all, all say the same thing. They all say Steve Prefontaine. Like pretty much any track guy would say that. Um, I think I stumped you. Well, I'm just kind of going through the, the list. Then I'm thinking like, maybe there's some non-runners. Yeah, you can, anybody you ever, anybody. I think, I think it'd be amazing to go and run five or eight miles with Barack Obama and just like shoot the shit. You'd probably keep up with you too. Well, definitely <laughs> now, but. Yeah, I don't know if he, I, if he, I don't know if he ever quit smoking. <laughs> Where would you run now? Um, Probably somewhere on the west. Like, this is this is a run I did in Santa Barbara that I've always wanted to go back and do. The mountains back there. I think it'd be fun to Giannis Koros if he was still running. Guy that um, has tons of long distance records. He's a great guy. It'd be really interesting to run with him and kind of pick his brain. Um, I don't. I think I'm a little bit different in that I don't, like I love to, to kind of talk to people about their philosophy of running, but I don't really get into the way other people train or like I said, reading race reports and trying to like delve into the, yeah. Um, and some people love that stuff. So for me, it's more about like making sure they're an interesting person. Um, I mean, from a very practical sense, I wish I could go out right now and go run 10 miles with Devin because we haven't seen each other in a while. And she and I just, that's how we kind of catch up and unload, you know, whatever's on our mind, we can talk about on the trails. Um, and it's just been, well, since our wedding, it was nine months ago, since we've had a chance to do that. Quite frankly, Wish I could go run with you. I I just wish I could go run. <laughs> just go run. Just yeah. anywhere. Just run. Period. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> a better question for when I'm running again, maybe. I think we had a good one from I think Michaels was uh, John Muir on the PC. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah. Or the PC. Uh, PCT. Yeah. So we're out there and run with John Muir just to pick his brain because he's probably. I wonder if he if he's as philosophical in every day speech as everyone makes them yeah edward abbey would be really cool to, so i'm not sure if edward abbey ran but i think it'd be a really interesting person to like go out into the into the west and where he used to monkey wrench and run 10 miles with him and pick his brain about environmentalism yeah um so the second question is 
more along the lines of see if you're a risk taker, which I have my own assumptions of what you might do for this one. Um, is if you were to, if you had 25 shots from a half court to make, right, to shoot into the basket, and if you made one of them, you got $25 million. But if you missed all 25, you went to jail for 25 years, would you try it? One half court shot, $25 million. <laughs> this is a ridiculous question. It's supposed to be. Yeah, I'd probably million. do it. I'm a pretty good outside shooter. I mean, I used to be. So you do that, uh, take that risk then? Yeah, that's a ridiculous question. It's never going to happen. <laughs> but it's a would good you, one. Would you do it? Um, yeah, because I've made quite a few half court shorts, half court, half court shots before in my life. So. Yeah, but we, could you do it with the pressure of twenty five years in jail? I think I might make more then. Yeah, I, I operate better under pressure. Yeah. Um, I always find that question interesting. It's just it's out there. Um, I think given the fact that you don't have like. How many people would, has anyone said no? Yeah. What did Jimmy say? I don't know off the top of my head, but I know um, Gabe Giordano said no, he wouldn't. He's like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so. I mean, I guess, I don't know. Money's not that important to me. Freedom is a lot more important to me. Yeah. So if it really, like if, if there was like, if that was a reality thing, I'd probably say no. But like in passing, sure, why not? I could use $25. <laughs> I think a lot of us could, right? Right. Uh, I would like go travel everywhere. I'd go visit every, every country if I had that much money. Our plan, we were going to take two years and buy an RV and drive around the country and just run every cool trail we could. And then we did this instead. But we don't regret that decision 95% of the time. 95% of the time. Yeah. Seems to work out though. You got a nice little establishment here. We keep trying, plugging ahead, tweaking it. Thank you. Cool. Well, thanks for taking the time to yeah. sit down and talk My with pleasure. us. Um, we'll be back at with another episode of Trail Talk as soon as we can. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Where can we find you on the social medias? Oh, Ohio Valley Running is on Facebook, Instagram. I can't remember if we're Ohio Valley Running Co. on Instagram or OH Valley Running. Anyway. Links will be in the description. Check them out. Yeah, one's on Twitter and like they get mixed up. I think it's Ohio Valley Running Co. on Instagram. That's where we do most of our posts. Cool. We'll see y'all next time. Thanks. <laughs>